contracts, salary caps. Why do our favorite teams make some of the moves they do? It's usually the money. It's time for the business of sports with Andrew Brandt. Hey there, boys and girls. Welcome to another edition of the Business of Sports with Andrew Brand. It's presented by BetOnline.ag. It's your online sportsbook experts. They're the exclusive partner of Podcast One Sportsnet. Use the promo code Podcast One. You receive a fifty percent sign-up bonus today. BetOnline.ag. Special podcast for you this week. I sit down with Darren Ravel, who just moved from ESPN. Long time stints there. Two million Twitter followers over to the Action Network. We'll hear from him about that move, about why he's transitioning to a segmented subject with gambling, and so much has happened in that world. I'm going to get to Darren Rebell in a little bit. First, the rant. My branch rant of the week is going to go to the Kareem Hunt situation. A couple of things I just want to get to on this. First of all, it is a redux, a deja vu, a replay of Ray Rice. Not only the fact that these two players play the same position in running back, but we experienced this exact situation, really, in 2014, you had someone get into a domestic violent encounter with his, in that case, his fiance, then wife, in this case with Hunt, it's obviously someone he didn't know well. But the fact remains the same. There was hands on a woman. There was, in Rice's case, a punch. In this case, a kick. There was very untoward behavior that would result in a massive reaction were it known by the team. But here we go. Ray Rice was supported unconditionally by the Ravens. Ray Rice was not given any Ravens punishment. Ray Rice was given a suspension by the NFL, but it was a two-game suspension. Fast forward four years later, 2018, we heard about something with Kareem Hunt in the offseason. The team supported him throughout, just like the Ravens supported Ray Rice. But just here we go again. Deja vu. Video comes out. And video from where? From TMZ. It's exactly the same situation. September 2014, as the season was beginning, that was the firestorm of the punch video with Ray Rice. End of November 2018, TMZ comes out with something that happened in February 2018. The Rice incident also happened in February that year. And here we go. Massive reaction, firestorm of reaction on social media and beyond. And all of a sudden, that Chiefs support has waned. And all of a sudden, in a span of hours from when the video comes out on TMZ, just like Rice, Kareem Hunt is released. Cut. Someone they supported, one of their best players, someone they supported throughout the offseason, knowing what he told them, gone. And of course, now the NFL is involved. We've got commissioner exemplus. We've got potential suspension. Assuming a team does take a chance on him, it's unlikely he would be playing anytime soon. And we're going to deal with that. But it's the power of video. And that's kind of where we are in this society. We expect everything to be on video. And I'm not saying this flippantly. I think there are a lot of athletes in football, basketball, baseball, any time there's discipline forthcoming for this kind of action, that are thanking their lucky stars that no video has emerged, and perhaps nervous that video will emerge of something like this. Video is the name of the game. And yes, if Kareem Hunt, if Ray Rice were ensconced with what they did without video, they would keep playing. Rice would have kept playing for the Ravens, 
Hunt would have kept playing for the Chiefs. There is no doubt. So <laughs> it's it's almost just sounds so cliche, but without pictures, the teams don't take action. And that's where we are. Now, I know people bring up Joe Mixon caught on tape punching a woman when he was a, a player at Oklahoma. There does seem to be something different about college actions, even with video. First of all, the NFL can't impose suspension or discipline on pre-NFL activities. So that's not happening. And then we get to an issue of even if it's on video, well, yeah, there's a public backlash, there's morality, there's shame, and there's tisk tisk to the Bengals for taking him in the second round. But at the end of the day, he's playing. And there's no new video that's going to come out on Mixon, I assume, that's going to cause him to get cut like these other guys. So that's one reaction to the Kareem Hunt situation. It's all about the video. The other reaction is this constant criticism of the NFL. And I know people pile on about the way they do discipline. I'll only pile on to this extent. I think here's the issue. What we have with the NFL is you see all kinds of reactions and disciplines and inquiries and looking for tapes or not looking for tapes or trying to get hotel footage and not trying to get hotel footage. I just think this is the reason why some owners want them out of this business. But if you're out of the business, then how do you hold players accountable? Uh, Here's the problem. The NFL is really not too harsh and they're really not too soft with discipline. What they are is too arbitrary. And you can certainly make cases that they were too harsh with Tom Brady, that they were too soft with Ray Rice at first, that they were too soft with Kareem Hunt before the video. But it really just comes down to this. What are the criteria? And I've said this for years since Ray Rice. Give us criteria. Give the public, the media, the fans criteria, and then you won't have criticism. And now we have precedent and we have a baseline policy with domestic violence policy of six games that Ezekiel Elliott found out about. So maybe that is some criteria. But where was that when you had reports of what Hunt did? And where is that now? Is Hunt getting that? Or are these commissioner exemplars, which Ruben Foster is on? What does that mean? So I just think what creates trust is transparency. What creates transparency is criteria that is followed and is laid out by the league instead of loose kind of diplomatic statements that don't mean much. So Kareem Hunt does his mea culpa on ESPN. We'll see what happens with that. He hopes to play again. Maybe he will. I think he's too too toxic right now. But at some point, yeah, I think he will have a chance. Not like Ray Rice at the end of his career where teams aren't going to take a chance. I think they will take a chance on this player, Kareem Hunt, but no time soon because he's toxic. Now, before I get to Darren Ravel, I talked to you about having on the podcast. I think you're really going to enjoy the interview. But first, a word from Omax Boost. You know, I don't like the idea of coffee or energy drinks when you need a boost, a mental boost. Your brain's ability to think fast, communicate more clearly, improve cognition should not come from that. What should it come from? Well, here's a product that's safe, Omax. It is. Uh, it focuses you. It gives you higher work performance, improves motivation. It's the boost you need. It has alpha and omega. You've heard of those omega-3s before. uses high DHA. And all these ingredients are safe, natural, backed by years of clinical research. Trust me, this stuff directly impacts physical and mental performance, strength, agility, cognition, motivation, pretty much everything. You'll feel instantly energy without the jitterness, again, of coffee or energy drinks or something like that. 
So if you're ready to optimize your mind and body's full of potential, try Omax Cognitive Boost. All you have to do is go to omaxboost.com slash Andrew, all caps my name, get 60% off a one-month supply, free shipping, 60-day money-back guarantee. That's Omax, O-M-A-X, boost.com slash Andrew today to get 60% off a one-month supply, Free shipping, 60-day money-back guarantee. OmaxBoost.com slash Andrew. Terms and conditions do apply. Now, Darren Ravel has moved. Uh, Friday was his last day at ESPN. Such a long stint there. Two stints there. Was at CNBC in between. One of the more well-known people in my world, the business of sports. But as you'll hear, the business of sports, which was once a niche, has become niche <laughs> full of niches like mine with leagues and teams and all the issues with uh, labor and contracts and what happens in pro sports. And his, now he becomes really segmented, joins the Action Network to talk about moving to gambling full-time. Please enjoy my long interview with now part of the Action Network, Darren Ravel. Someone I've looked up to, admired for a while, and of course, friends, colleagues for a long time. Someone that's sort of uh, been in my world at a much higher level. Darren Ravel joins me, and uh, just so happy to have him. Always happy to talk to Darren about business, about life, about what's next, and we're going to get to the what's next. Thanks for coming on, Darren. Oh, stop it with all that introduction. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I get introduced a lot, and everyone gives me the flowery language, so I thought I'd throw it to you. <laughs> Are you, here. as of now, are you still an employee of ESPN? Are you moved? What's your status as of now? Uh, my last day, today's my last day, Friday's my last day at ESPN, and Monday we start at the Action Network. <sighs> okay, tell me about the move. So, Why'd you do it, and uh, t- when did you first know about Action Network, and when did they contact you? Give me the whole thing. So I first knew about Action Network when Sean Millman, who was my boss at the time at ESPN, made the move there. Um, at that time, we were seven months away from the repeal of PASPA. You know, right. It gave the states the right to uh, make their own decisions in regards to whether they want to support gambling legal or not. Um, when he went, that kind of opened my eyes. But, you know, Chad is a a big-time executive, my best boss ever. Um, and so when he made the move, I didn't really take it lightly, and I immediately went to, to their site. I downloaded the app and, you know, quickly got to understand what it was, um, essentially making sports gamblers, you know, better at what they do through the rolling up of three sites, um, data sites. Um, so less of the tax stuff. And more of the well, sports gambling is going to be the next big thing. How do you make better and better? Um, so that's my introduction by Chad's move. Um, and at the time, I, you know, I would never think that I would be over there because, again, uh, I was covering the business of gambling, but it was probably maybe ten percent of my beat is covering the business of sports at ESPN. Right. Um, so it really wouldn't fit at the time. But then, obviously, in May, we had, uh, you know, the situation with the Supreme Court ruled part of the um, Professional Amateur Sports Protection Act uh, unconstitutional. And then we have all these states, now eight, that you can gamble in. 
And I had a front row seat being in New Jersey, where by the end of 2018, you know, we probably will have 700, 800 million bets, where in my face I see ads where I can have up to eight apps on my phone. And in a way, uh, you know, I think I'll probably do about 80, 90 stories on Jimmy this year. So it became uh, a real possibility maybe three or four months ago uh, to say, well, can I go from the niche that you well know of sports business to the niche within the niche of sports gambling? And again, having the bird's eye view of being in New Jersey and knowing what is coming, definitely what is coming, I, I answered yes. And, uh, you know, Chad and I kind of had some conversations and then it got a little bit more serious. Getting you away from ESPN is a big deal. Uh, obviously your brand has been important there. Your 2 million Twitter followers being the voice of the business of sports. I mean, you talk about niche within a niche. I had a niche within the business of sports, kind of Mm -hmm. leagues, teams, agents, negotiations, Mm -hmm. free agency, caps, you had a much broader niche within a niche. And now you're talking about, like you just said, kind of zeroing in on an area of the business of sports. I just think that's fascinating that you and I both know the business of sports is not necessarily mainstream. And here you are right. drilling down further. Right. I mean, you know, 18 years ago in, in, in 2000, you know, when I took the job at ESPN, there was question as to whether the business of sports, which was, you know, unquestionably a hundred billion dollars worldwide at the time was enough to cover. And, you know, now 18 years later, you say, well, is the business of gambling big yeah. enough to cover. Um, now, I'm not going to totally move away from the business of sports. I think it's, you know, it's, it's an action's best interest for me to break the, some of the big stories that I'll still be involved in. I think my Twitter and Instagram feeds will still be very much active on things not gambling. Mm-hmm. Um, I will certainly be very focused on it. Um, and again, over the last uh, you know three or four months, it's been very clear to me whether covering the operators, the leagues, the sponsorships, that there is enough to do every single day on this. Um, and, and there will be, you know, for the next two or three years in every state, uh, stories about the betters, stories about the operators, stories about the teams, the leagues, the players, the legal side of it. Uh, it is, and there's so much excitement behind it. Do you think it's a honeymoon period with that? I mean, I'm not asking, thinking there's a right answer here, because you're right. There's so much energy behind it, and I covered it all, the legal options and how the Supreme Court did what no one thought they would do for so many years, and all this energy, and now the eight states. Do you think we're in sort of that honeymoon, though? Do you think the energy will level off, if not subside, in, I don't know, in a year or so? I think the speed will will will, will slow down. So right. I think we'll go from you know we've done eight in the in the half a year. I think by 
the end of next year, you know, you'd say, well, if it, if it continued on the same pace, we we definitely have 20. I think we have 13 by the end of next year. And then we have 20 by the end of 2020. Uh, so I think the state slowed down a little bit. The question becomes whether it's a honeymoon or not, the question becomes whether it is the opportunity that everyone thinks it is, certainly right. for the states. The first woe moment came from Delaware, who wanted to get out of the gate and beat New Jersey. And, you know, they they, they were the first ones to have, you know, their, their sports book that opened at Dover Downs, and they had another one that opened on the same day, beating New Jersey, who filed the case themselves. And they still don't have mobile betting because of the cost of geofencing and administrating it, and, and they're not sure they will. There's no foreseeable future there. So... So the question becomes, what are the, the returns? In some cases, the whole percentages uh, for, you know, for example, the Meadowlands, the whole percentages don't look that good from the last mm. months. Um, you know, they're basically 2% less than Vegas, traditional Vegas holds. So, so I think it depends on how, on, on, on how, how we go and how, how they do. Um, sports gambling is romanticized, but you, I think what you have to remember is um, you know, when, when Nevada comes, when the Nevada Gaming Commission comes out with their stats, Andrew, I mean, every month, it's like, you know, sports gambling is, is tiny. a pinnacle on, on penny slots. You know, penny yeah. slots is, 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 is doing, uh, you know, 10x of sports gambling. So while it's sexy, it might not be the sex that we think. And then sometimes, you know, in the state of Pennsylvania, which is supposed to blow everyone right. away, you have a tax issue with maybe the states are so ambitious about what it's worth that maybe the gamblers become aware of uh, and the operators become aware of what the states really want, and maybe it's not such a good deal for them either. So I don't know if there's a honeymoon period, but I do expect there to be some some rationality to happen, and if it doesn't work from a business perspective, it will slow down. I like your thoughts on leagues and gambling, something I've talked about a lot. I mean, I cover sports law. You go back to P. Rose and you go back to Alex Karras and you go back even four years to Tony Romo, not even allowed to have a fantasy football convention, not because of fantasy, because it's connected to a casino, but players still not allowed in casinos. I mean, is, is the word hypocrisy wrong? Or are we just getting to a point where these leagues are saying, okay, we give up. We're giving up on the integrity argument. We're embracing it. And you now have three of the four leagues doing deals with MGM. So where are we in your mind with the league's attitudes towards this? Well, both publicly and privately, the NFL is is really now in a boat of their own, especially with the NHL's complete reversal. I mean, if you were to do an in order of who would be most objecting to gambling. It would be Adam Silver at the NBA, Rob Manfred at, the, at MLB. It would be Gary Bettman at the NHL. This is maybe four, three, four years ago, and Roger Goodell at the NFL. And Bettman, you know, did a complete flip, you know, and now they're, right. they're you know, they do the MGM deal, and now they're doing non-exclusive relationships, and the Devils and the Prudential Center are basically going to have two sports bars, you know, uh, you know, two, 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 um, uh, where where that are sponsored by gambling outfits. So, um, but the NFL is really the one where that's where the money is, 
And, you know, now they have this fine line where the, where MGM is a sponsor of the Jets, but they can only do gaming and they can't do anything associated with actual betting. Um, And it's a little bit weird. And, and right now it doesn't seem, you know, they're, they know they're leaving money on the table. That's the NFL is the most fascinating because obviously that's where the most money is. Um, and so, so everyone's waiting for that slip to happen. And it seems like people think it's inevitable. Um, but if you would think that Roger Goodell for how many times, you know, he's had egg on his face for things that he said that have been flipped, that he wouldn't continually be out there, uh, objecting in the way he does if he truly believed that it would flip, as we say. It always strikes me that he embraced, like all the leagues, fantasy. He's saying it's a mashup and it doesn't affect team outcomes. But to me, and you know, if if nefarious influences were out there, they'd have more luck, I guess, getting to a running back to, to stay under a hundred yards for fantasy on rather a single, than on a single right on a single a player on a single event that can control a single event on the field by themselves. Right. Yeah, but they've no, embraced I mean, fantasy right. because they saw the what an incredible. might have more to do with the integrity because you know if if you think there are there are twenty two actors on the field, you know it's it, you know basketball is always the you know well it's the easiest because there's only ten ten total, but like you know it, yes it would seem like football fantasy like yeah you know you 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 can't it's, it would be very hard to control but. But if if uh, to the negative side, which is always the easiest, um, you know, who who knows? Who knows? But, yeah, I, I get what you're saying. Individual actors have to have more effect on fan could have more effect on fantasy than betting, potentially. I mean, I, I know what Goodell and the other commissioners have said is they would prefer a federal legislation. It's not happening, though. To, yeah. I mean, and. <laughs> You know, getting that through Congress at this point with what's happening in the world, were they just blindsided by the Supreme Court? Because, listen, the Supreme Court takes a case. They're not they're usually not going to just let it stand. Right. So I'm it, not. But sure. it was not. I, I, I believe all I believe that now. Now, if you follow everything through and you have followed everything through and I followed everything through, you know, when New Jersey pushed this up and it went to the Supreme Court, there right. was like a. 10% chance that this was going to happen, that they would flip it, you know, that, and, and, and then, you know, over the three or four years that, that, right. it, you know, from, from beginning to end, you know, certain things happened and then, you know, it actually went down the way it did. So, and they continue to keep their same, their same thoughts. So I think there was some surprise, but it, it's just comical to look at even the stuff that Gary Bettman said. And, and, le- and a year later, I mean, I was I was there in Vegas when the when the Vegas Golden Knights were announced, and I about what do you think about gambling in Vegas? And he responded that he is going to ask that the sports books nearest to the T-Mobile Center not open right. the Vegas Golden Knights. I mean, and here we are, where the the the, the casino that owns the T-Mobile Center is now one of the official, you know, gambling outfits of the league a year later. (laughs) 
Yeah, it's so fascinating because I covered for ESPN those NFL meetings with the relocation. And I'll never right. forget the Oakland re- meetings and the consideration of Vegas. And I asked a group of owners, so what's your concerns about Vegas? And they said, well, it's a tourism market. Will it be sustainable? It's a small market. Are there going to be a honeymoon period? I said, well, what about gambling? They're like, oh, no, no, that's fine. <laughs> I'm thinking, right, that's exactly. fine? Okay. Okay. And Roger Goodell was praising the regulations in Nevada that he fought six years in New Jersey. So, yeah, we're at a moment in time right here. And, and as you know, it's all changing. Back to you. <laughs> I'm going back to you instead of gambling as a whole. Uh, your time at ESPN, obviously two stints, very successful. How do you look back on it? I think, you know, both times, I think they were right for me. I think when I was younger, um, you know, it was a great break for me, you know, to be hired at 22 and be able to create that niche nationally, yeah. and, uh, learn along, along the way and spend six years there. And then, you know, go from being the geek at the, uh, the sports <laughs> network to the cool guy at the business network. And then to come back, I mean, I think both times, um, it was great for me. I mean, I, I look back and, and I think I've, I've had an, an awesome time both times. Um, and I, I, I felt like after this last deal with me, I was going to not go back to traditional media in some mm-hmm. way. I don't know if I necessarily saw myself with a startup, but I saw myself maybe with a, with a, an owner who maybe was, uh, you know, looking to start up some sort of sports biz thing, maybe a newsletter thing. I mean, I definitely felt like this this next coming was not going to be a traditional media deal for me. Um, and so I, I, I kind of came into, the, you know, being, being open about it. Um, and uh, when the action thing came up, and over the past couple months especially, um, you know, I, I mentioned to the guys at ESPN, you know, I'd love to have a little bit more to go on my contract. I'd love if you let me get out. And, uh, man, I, you know, just speaks to the relationship that they, that they did. Yeah. And I just want to credit you for even my hire. And I know we were a little different areas, but I'm not sure I get hired at ESPN to cover the business of football without you there or without your experience there, because as you said, it just wasn't that appetite for it. And, yeah, no, it's, uh, yeah. I, I believe that. I mean, I think, I think, um, you know, although you would think it's obvious to have business of football or business at all. I mean, the conversations that I had, you know, I mean, just, I just remember the early conversations about, you know, why, why should we have business, you know, business, you know, you mentioned the word business stands kind of curl up and, you know, but, 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 but really, but really the truth is that I was fortunate to have you too, because again, I can only cover so much and the business of the NFL with as many fans as they have, um, you know, really, I think probably like 2005 or six, you know, it got to a point, I think that's really where it got to a point where fans, uh, if they didn't understand the business, you know, they were just, for lack of a better word, idiots at the water cooler. 
and yeah. and they were idiots on the radio, and people would just laugh at them. And there was an intellectual currency that fans coveted. Yes. And and so I think it totally flipped the need for people like us. Um, you know, so it's cool to look over time and see, you know, how how we were received. I even I never told you this, but when you had a show at CNBC on the topic, I've raised it, obviously, with ESPN. Like, why don't we do that? And you can imagine the response I got. I think one executive told me maybe a hundred people would watch that. So, so that yeah, that's been, I mean that's been hard. The, you know, when I had that chance, I loved doing that show. I mean, unfortunately, it got stuck on Friday at you know seven p.m. where no one has a chance. Um, right. You know, I I, I love doing that. I think under under the right search, I hoped when I came back to ESPN, maybe there was there was a chance to do that, and maybe if I stayed, you know, there was a chance to do you know, more in an ESPN plus scenario. Um, but, you know, I, I think just like, I, I, I think that when you, there's going to be niche audiences in the digital environment and right. there's going to be less pressure on the, to, to get the numbers that are uh, the TV type numbers. And there's going to be more want to get the right audience um, and, and, and so the mass numbers are going to be different as long as you get the right people and as long as you get the right people who are willing to pay a subscription. So I think the game will change maybe in a couple of years that will allow niche programming of all sorts um, mm-hmm. that, that, that will make it, you know, so maybe it was still, you know, a little ahead of its time and that started to be on a, on, on, on a, on a brick and mortar standard um, you know, because I think just by saying it's a sports business show, you know, you, you have to trick people into watching it. Right. And you talked about the change in the acceptance of sports business, you know, on the uh, leagues, what are sports gambling? What about on the networks? I know ESPN obviously embraced the Matthew Berry's and the fantasy for years now. Did I? I don't even know. Isn't is there some kind of relationship now between the Action Network and ESPN? Yes. So, there's a, so there, there's a show, an Action Network show on ESPN Plus, and I and I expect the relationship to continue. Um, so hey, I, I might I might be on ESPN at some point. It's not the, the end of it. Um, uh, I think you know it's 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 interesting because if you go to the history, really. You know, you go back, uh, at least with ESPN, you go back to Hank Goldberg. Um, right. And, uh, you know, over time it was like, well, he's allowed to call it, what happened behind the scenes? He's allowed to call a game straight up, and then he's allowed to call a game against the spread, but he can't mention team names. He has to mention the city names. You know, so there is a whole bunch of, like, you can't say Redskins. He has to say Washington if he's going to mention the spread. Cause, you know, maybe we'll um, make the NFL and it's been interesting to see the development of that over time um and then you know now the bottom line you know has the spreads and mm-hmm. i think we're at a point really where it's it's accepted um and chad before he left um you know did the chalk website which is a right. good site and david david purdom is a is an awesome uh right. gambling reporter who i'm now gonna sadly have to compete with um, so, 
you know, so so I, I think ESPN is, is going to make a greater and greater play. I think they're probably going to continue the alliance with the Action Network. I'm not sure how full uh, uh, full they'll go. I mean, I think, you know, Disney still probably will put some constraints on it. Um, but but I think they'll go as, as far as they can go. Do you, do you recognize or appreciate and to what extent the, let's just put it out there, the morality play in all this or the anti-morality play? You know, I did a symposium at Villanova. I tried to get you, I know you were busy that a couple of years ago on this issue. And I had some people out there not protesting, but handing out anti-gambling pamphlets now, I know these states are putting in compulsive gambling funds and things like that, but wh- where are you on this sort of morality play with this? Um, so I've, had, I've obviously had to think about that, right? Yeah. I mean, um, as, as, a, as a journalist, um, you know, one of the things that I had to think about was I had to make sure that the Action Network was never going to take any bets, that that was never in the mm. current business plan. Because um, if it was, I, w- I, I couldn't do it, right? Because I can't be... I don't want to be pushed by. Luckily, I would say that despite the fact that ESPN has broadcast relationships with the leagues, over the 12 and a half years that I worked for ESPN, I have never been told not to do a story. Never. Hmm. I've hmm. never had a quote been deleted from a story. I've never had a moment of, please don't do that story. I'm happy to say. I'm proud to say. Despite yeah. all the conspiracy theorists out there. Um, and I didn't want to be pushed by... Obviously, I want to be pushed by interest. If there's a most bet game, well, then I'm going to write more about it or I'm going to write on on the business side of it. But on the morality side of it, you know, what's so interesting to me is my, my, my leap got a lot of coverage. And I think some of it's because of me. I think most of it is because of mainstream guy going to, you know, gambling. And I think it's, right. it's uh, more of a story because it's legitimizing gambling again. Um, right. But there was very few negative, and I think that's over the last three months that slipped. And I also think it's over the last three months, while it is being paralleled with the legalization of marijuana in our country. Mm-hmm. And I think the fact that they have, they're going together, I think that that actually eases uh, the negativity of, of gambling. Um, and, uh, I, you know, I think there's, there's, there's still issues. I think, uh, you know, mobile having seen it, mobile is so damn easy. It is so easy to bet on your phone. (laughs) It is so easy to bet on your phone. Um, and, uh, especially when you look at some numbers that I saw today from Seton Hall, that 88% of 18 to 29 year olds are more interested in the game if they bet on it. And 63% of those 18 to 29 year olds would bet mobily compared to 40% of the general population. That what hmm. that means is 23% more don't have to uh, you know walk into a brick and mortar book. Would just do it and click you know in their pajamas while sitting in their bed, which makes it that right. much more easy. So I think the issues are still there. Um, I I hope that the that the efforts. Um, to combat addiction in this space are real and not lip service, just like the alcohol mm-hmm. industry, just as a, as a person, as a citizen, as a human. 
Um, I hope it's not just the requirements that they have to do that they have to lift, um, because I think it's in everyone's best interest, the leagues, me now, um, to for it to be as as for it to be as lucrative as, of an industry as possible, but for also to come with the fact that on the other side there's there's health. Mm-hmm. What is going to be your day to day at Action Network? I know you do you do you write. I mean, I think you've got a role there that, or at least a title that suggests a producer role rather than sort of pure talent. You want so to talk this about is, that? This is something. Yeah, I mean, this is something that real. My first day on Monday, I'm going to be in San Francisco meeting with the app people, kind um, of to talk about what the app looks like and you know, what, what we think, you know, could change. And I'll be with Chad and, and the president, um, Patrick. Um, and you know, that's one of the things that, you know, if there's any frustration at ESPN, it was that, you know, there's so many people and when when you have an idea, it takes months and months and months and months and months. And, um, you know, here, especially with the majority owned by the chairman, group, um, there is a nimbleness, there is a, a flexibility to move. Um, so my day-to-day will be, I'm sure, filing a story or doing some video or um, uh, doing some, coming up with some idea, trying to implement things, talking to the social guys about you know best practices. Um, I mean, a, a combination. I'm not a manager at heart. I'm an editorial mind. So I don't mm-hmm. think to be like a manager, but I, I do, uh, what excites me is, you know, having ideas about how someone looks at something. I feel that, you know, my greatest strength is knowing what people want and delivering it. I mean, for a sports business reporter to have the followers that I have on Twitter, I think some of it has to do with, I deliver what people want mm-hmm. and, you know, so some of it might include, you know, the fact that when you go on the Action Network right now, there are a lot of pluses and minuses. And and we are we are onboarding new betters who might be intimidated by that. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so, so um, I mean, what's great is that it has a great base. It is it is the best uh, data site out there to make your own decisions. And what's the the best part about it for me is that, um, you know, Patrick uh, comes from, he sold associated content to Yahoo for a hundred million, our CEO. And he was, uh, you know, a top executive in Google uh, ads strategy. And Chad is where he is. And Chernin uh, obviously owns, you know, most of Barstool and has done, uh, you know, a big, big media company. These guys could run anything. They're the new age guard uh, that could run any business. And that gives me a lot of comfort. They're not mm-hmm. the gambling guys who 20 years ago got in and are still operating in smoky Vegas and got lucky to be in the industry that's boomed. Um, so there's a, there's a level of um, complexity of general business understanding that uh, I, I appreciate that makes me want to get in business with these guys. What is the size of the action network at this point? 
employees, revenues? Employees are, I think there's about 25 employees. Um, I don't know if their revenue is public. I don't know if their subscribers are public. But I know that since the start in January, um, the app download. So it's a freemium model. Mm, uh, You you can go to the website. You can download the the app for free. If you want to see on the the main cost, if it's not a discount, is $7.99 for the app per month. And what it gives you is if you want advanced stats. So if you want to know what percentage of the money from an aggregate of more than 50 sports books are on a particular team, you can find it out there. If you want to track your picks, you know, intricately, you can, you can, uh, you can do it if you're a subscriber, if you want to track your friends picks. Um, Hmm. so there, there, there's, there's a, there's a level of, uh, you know, intricacy that if you want to really, you know, be involved and, and, and again, as someone who um, is going into business with them, I believe that as of now, even before I uh, do anything with it or, you know, throw my ideas out that there is a redeeming quality to that app at that price. Um, you know, every, I had a chance to look at the back end business before I invested mm-hmm. by throwing myself at them. Um, so the business is, the, the business is, is very good and, and growing. And, uh, and I think it'll, it'll only grow from here. So just clarify, you can or cannot actually make bets through the app. You can, you cannot, you cannot, you cannot, you can at, at some point you, you, you can, you know, one click to a sports book and make a bet, but, but mm-hmm. Action Network is not itself a sports book. Big issues you see covering uh, going ahead. I mean, I know we're sort of ramping up state by state. Rhode Island's the last and number eight so far. Uh, yep. What's on your, you know, what's on your mind for the big issues to cover as we, as we end this year, go towards 2019? Yeah. I mean, uh, again, the, the, the main thing is going to be these reports from these states, you know, on my mm-hmm. calendar, you know, starting starting Monday, I got to start getting my calendar, and and <laughs> I did not get into this business to do the to to, to have a, a legislative calendar. Trust me, I'm not <laughs> I'm not a city hall kind of guy. Right, that's, right. that's not why I got into the business of sports. But there's some ugliness to this that I'm going to have to embrace. But <laughs> you know, obviously, following Delaware and following hold percentages and following exactly what you said. Is is this business rational? It's going to be a is going to be key. Following, uh, you know, what big states are not close? You know, Florida with their referendum and, and Hard Rock and Disney, mm-hmm. you know, basically successfully pushing them off. Which was Florida is probably now at least three or four years away. California doesn't look close. Um, Illinois looks closer, but sometimes you don't. You know, sometimes it depends on who you speak to. Um, you know, so sometimes states look close and then they're not, um, uh, you know, you can count states and you can count momentum, but then you think about all the, all the weird things. I mean, Rhode Island basically has two people in it, no offense to them, uh, but, and, and, and Mississippi, in order to bet mobily, you have to be standing in the sports book. Right. That's crazy. 
Okay, so so they're not all equal. We're not going to say, you know, this is eight out of fifty. Um, so, you know, it's just and, and for me also, it's a learning process. I I have to. I I really I think I've I've ramped up a lot. I understand a lot, but I'm still, you know, I've I've had to uh, with sports business that. I'm not a, a business of gambling expert yet. I'll get there, but I haven't done my 10,000 hours. Right. So that's also something that I have to do. I'll wrap up here, but what I really found fascinating is, I find fascinating what you talked about with mobile. I mean, it, it, is our future, whether being at the stadium or at home in your pajamas, as you said, punching in whether Tom Brady will have two touchdown passes in the second half, whether the next pitch from Clayton Kershaw will be a baller strike. I mean, is that where we're going? Well, that's set, that's 70% of the revenue in Europe is in play. Wow. So that, uh, you know, now, now none of the current, like the current deal between the MGM and the NBA or any of the league deals conceptualize that. But, but mm-hmm. the idea is yes, that, that you will be able to, in one screen on your phone, watch the game and click and bet. And that is why now there is no question that the next media deals will again be an increase because the guys that have the media deals now, that is not their strength. Right. It's the Amazons, the Who's, and then Netflix and all those guys, and the Facebooks and the Twitters, those guys understand how and, and have the back end of that technology. Um, you know, the ABCs, ESPNs, uh, Turners, CBSs, those guys, not so much. And so that's why, you know, the fight for the next media deal is going to be so much bigger because, you know, NFL, what's, what's that deal to 2023 or through, through 2022. I can't, it's one of those. I think it's through 2021. So 2022. Right. So, so yeah, so there's plenty of time. There's plenty of time. And, uh, I don't believe this is a honeymoon period. I think sports gambling is going to get bigger and bigger and bigger. And, um, the who will win from a there will there will be there will be guys that will fall on their face from an operating standpoint. I would never attach myself to an operator, but I'm glad that I can attach myself to someone on the editorial side, and I think someone on the editorial side will will be a winner, and and I think I'll be there, and I think it'll be a relatively quick time for that to happen because I think this market's going to develop so quickly. I forgot a question. We mentioned the legislative angle that you're taking, and I know you didn't get into it to cover state houses, but the, uh, I got asked a question about these integrity fees or whatever they're calling now data rights fees. I'm sure the states are saying, go pound sand. You know, Nevada never gave you that. Any chance of success for any of these leagues getting whatever they want to call it out of these states? I think it's going to be very difficult, um, yeah. but it depends on how willing the operators themselves are to pay. Like for example, MGM has completely legitimized 
the leagues want to sell data. The leagues want to sell data, and MGM has now paid for three or four leagues' data. Right. They just legitimize the marketplace. Like, if I'm Caesars, I'm angry at MGM. Like, why'd you do that? Like, I think my data is good enough. Like, we have third-party data that it comes two seconds behind the league that is rarely wrong. You just paid for the official data and says it means something. Does it? Mm. I don't know. So, so if some if some operator says they're willing to pay for it, then potentially there's 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 something that happens there. Um, mm. If a state writes in that the integrity fee is is in there for some reason, hey, who knows? There's a lot of there's a lot of moving parts in politics. I can't predict that. Right. Um, and it's not clear whether the leagues think that it's, you know, these data rights could be worth billions so they could get what they want. Of course, the players aren't going to get what they want because it's, it's, I mean, it's a league deal, but I feel like the players would want, the players would want more. I think the players want an all cart type of deal. Sure. So, um, we'll have to see. We'll have to see. I don't, I don't know. I just know a lot of money is coming to lead to the teams. And I think the New Jersey Devils are going to have six gambling deals by the time, uh, by the time the season's over. Wow. Yeah, you mentioned the players. I know they're angling for their share, and that's going to be an issue in these collective bargaining deals. Yep. It's going to be a tough sell. I mean, they're going to be an uphill climb. You said it. The leaks feel like it's their deals. Agreed. Darren, this has been great. Uh, you've been such a great presence on ESPN. Wish you so much luck with the Action Network. And I'm just it, your your comment just resonates. The one I saw in the media about the sort of the age of generalists maybe coming to a close and and just being part of a. I think niche is now not the right word. It's part of a. What do you call it? A segment in sports yeah. media. People feel comfort in. People feel comfort in. In a, in a specialist for each part of their lives, um, right. and there's not there's not one place to go in. Um, and and I I I think uh, I think that's that's why I had comfort in in going to the Action Network here. Thanks, my friend. Wish you well as always. Look forward to talking to you next Thank time. Thank you. Really hope you enjoyed listening to Darren. Darren is a good friend. He is someone that created credibility so the ESPN could hire someone like me. Is has been a voice in the business of sports for much longer than I have. I owe him a debt of debt of gratitude. And I really hope you l- listen to him about where it's going now in media. No one wants generalists. It's all segmented. It's all niche programming. Even within the business of sports, now you have the business of sports gambling, and that's what he's covering. Now, word from Simply Safe. It is a great holiday gift. I can get you a great deal on it as well. It's the best in home security. If you go to simplysafe.com/brand, B-R-A-N-D-T, my name, you get an amazing holiday offer. They rarely do anything like this, but here we go. It's great protection for home and family. It don't make you sign a contract. No hidden fees. You've seen the reviews from CNET, PC Mag the best security system there is. So if you're looking at a security system and a great deal, go to simplysafe.com slash Brant. You get the offer. Make sure you use that URL. It helps out the show. It'll help you with a great price. Simplysafe.com slash Brant and hurry. Offer ends soon. 
I have another rant for you. The news is out, and somewhere that I have unique insights is going through some changes. I was at the Green Bay Packers from 1999 to 2009. In 2006, we hired a new coach. That coach was Mike McCarthy, and he was Packers coach up until Sunday night. Uh, So quite a run. That is in dog years, like thousands of years in the NFL when you talk about being there. 2006 through 2018, 12-13 seasons. Uh, Really amazing that longevity. Of course, there's really none of that in the NFL anymore, except for Marvin Lewis and Bill Belichick. But just some notes, some thoughts. Um, First of all, I don't know what to make of this relationship that people are saying has fizzled with Aaron Rodgers. In my time there, I saw a close, connected, mutually respectful relationship. Now, listen, when I was there, Aaron was primarily a backup. Obviously, Mike had Brett Favre. Aaron Rodgers was a young understudy, and he was our apprentice for three years before we turned the team over to him. I was very impressed how Mike handled that whole divorce situation. You know, Mike is never one to get too high or too low, which I think was good for our team. He also was all about emotional intelligence. He also was all about what a phrase that always stuck with me, called stacking success. And I think that was a great move by Mike to sort of bring that in, in terms of don't get satisfied, keep stacking. And I think the most successful people in life are always thinking about what's next. What's the next success that I can stack on the previous ones. But back to what Mike dealt with, it was the divorce. After the 2007 season, as everyone knows, March 3rd, 2008, the great Brett Favre retires, which is a tearful scene and so sad to lose uh, the iconic player that he was. In my time in Green Bay, there was no bigger star in the NFL. I was biased, but no bigger star, perhaps in all of sports, than Brett Favre. What a presence he was wherever we went. There'd be lines of people waiting primarily to see him. And then we had, after three years of, of relationships that I had to manage, I had to manage Aaron's camp, thinking he'd never get to play. I had to manage Brett's camp thinking, well, it's tough to show up every week and walk in and and sit with your understudy every day or sit with your future replacement every day. So those things were managed, and then it came to a head. Of course, Brett wanted to come back. And at the center of that storm, we had, of course, Favre's camp going nuts and Roger's camp trying to withstand the onslaught of people wanting Brett back. And I'll never forget that fateful day. I think it was June 20th, 2008, where Mike said those three words to Brett that were sort of the essence of everything. And those three words were, we've moved on. Or maybe it was five words, we've moved on to Aaron. So this is what happens when organizations evolve. It's very tough when people sort of have to make that tough call And we kind of knew, I knew at least, Brett was not going to retire forever. He was going to come back. And, of course, the pull of training camp, he wanted to come back. Expected to be welcomed back, given his helmet, the Super Bowl-winning MVP player that was going to get his job back. But it wasn't. And as Mike said, we moved on to Aaron. Mike handled that well. So, listen, nothing but respect for Mike McCarthy as he walks away or is summarily dismissed with four games left in the season. I think it's probably convenient. Obviously, there's a lot of truth to it, but it's also sort of seems too convenient to say, well, it just got stale between him and Aaron and the offense didn't look so good. And that wasn't I don't know what the real reason is. I'm not there. I've been many years removed. 
but something wasn't working. I don't know if you can chalk it up to talent. It does seem like they do have some young talent, but young is the word. It takes time to develop. I remember Brett Favre always saying, why don't we go out and get a Terrell Owens or a Randy Moss? And I said, you got to trust these guys, these young guys like James Jones and Donald Driver and Greg Jennings. But it does take time. And I'm sure someone's telling Aaron Rodgers the same thing. Trust these guys, Marquez Valdez, Scandling, and Equinemius St. Brown, and they're going to get better along with the superstar Devontae Adams. But again, maybe it is talent. Maybe, But they've gotten the best tight end in free agency the past two years. Bennett didn't work out. Graham's working out pretty well. Uh, so it's not like people have this idea the Packers never spend. They have spent. They also brought in Wilkerson on defense. That was a pretty major free agent signing. And in the past, of course, Julius Peppers, Charles Woodson, and others. Um, I don't know what's going on. I tend to think that it really comes down to sort of the obvious that time for a change. As I said, when you work in the NFL, I can speak to this with unique insight. It it runs its course. You know, I was there almost 10 years and I just felt like it was time to go. Uh, It was time where, you know, do something else. It's like... I always feel like been there, done that. And when people bring up opportunities with other teams, I'm like, what am I going to get out of that? You know, what am I going to learn that I don't know? I probably, you know, negotiate all these contracts, manage the cap, don't want to be in personnel, don't want to be in scouting and, and coaching. So, you know, the prestige is fine, but it is a hard life. Um, Mike McCarthy is a Green Bay guy now, married a woman from Green Bay, uh, very established, big house there. It's going to be interesting to see what happens, where he goes. And I just think that it is a, it's an end of an era, which sort of I look at, I was part of that era at least for three years before I moved on uh, with Mike, you know, and part of the hiring process. And I'll leave it there where we sort of interviewed a bunch of people when we let Mike Sherman go, another Mike, uh, who was coaching GM actually for a while and brought in Ted Thompson, and then, then that was sort of the lame duck year with Mike Sherman not having the GM title any any longer, and we dismissed Mike, which was, again, very tough, and then went through the interview process. You know, people like Wade Phillips and people like Ron Rivera, I remember, was in that interview process, and it really came down to Sean Payton and Mike McCarthy, and listening to them was really fascinating Here, all the insights they had on offensive football. And and Sean really wanted the job and sort of settled for New Orleans afterwards. But Mike, you know, I think what separated him, what's very important with Green Bay seems to be familiarity. He was there actually the first year I was there in 1999 with Ray Rhodes, who was fired also after an 8-8 eight and eight season. And Ray, uh, Mike had this quarterback job coaching Brett and Doug Peterson. Uh, or maybe it wasn't Doug Peterson at the time. Coaching Brett and Rick Meyer. Uh, and uh, Matt Hasselbeck, my client, turned uh, player for me. So Mike McCarthy was there. Mike McCarthy had that responsibility and had the familiarity was really the key. That one year, 1999, sort of won him the job in an equal tiebreaker motion over Sean Payton. Uh, so I remember hiring him January 2006. And now... We uh, get to almost 13 years later, uh, December 2018, and Mike moves on from Green Bay with time left on the season. So just a thought on that, uh, just so some personal insights, my rant to talk about 
a guy I liked, I knew, I haven't talked in a while, I've been, been there in a while, I don't know what happened inside the building. It looked obviously from the outside, the offense had gotten stale, and it was time to go, but you never know, and I'm sure there's backstories that will come out. But kudos to Mike McCarthy for tremendous success uh, throughout the years. I don't know if many coaches have had that success. I'm not a stats guy. I don't look up that thing. But he had a nice run, and it wasn't all due to Aaron Rodgers or Brett Favre. He had a nice run, good coach, good man. I wish him the best. Finally, a word from Bet Online. Uh, it is holiday seasons, giving time of year, and our exclusive partners at Podcast One, Bet Online. They've got two promotions you don't want to miss out on. First, create a free account, betonline.ag, use the promo code PODCAST1, and right away you get 50% sign-up bonus. Then you can give a friend or family member a gift of this refer friend. You can give a 200% bonus to your friend up to $200. So everything's going on right now. NFL, college football, NBA, college basketball, even non-sports Who's going to win the Oscars? Who's going to be the first to perish on season eight of Game of Thrones? BetOnline is the place to go. So go online or use your mobile phone. Sign up today. Promo code PODCAST1. 50% sign-up bonus to get your holiday shopping done early with their Refer Friend promotion. BetOnline.ag. Your sports book experts. That'll do it for this week's Business of Sports podcast. Really appreciate those who follow me on Twitter at Andrew Brandt. Apple Podcast rankings and comments are really, truly appreciated, and we'll be back next week with another edition of the Business of Sports podcast with Andrew Brandt. Thanks for listening to the Business of Sports with Andrew Brandt. Make sure to subscribe to this podcast so you never miss an episode. You can also get additional insider insight by listening to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, Fantasy Feast, Even Money, and College Draft Podcast, all at RossTucker.com or wherever podcasts are found.